on my first birthday, my parents got me a cake. It was basically a doctor cake. Right. So I actually started down the medicine path and then I dropped out like six months in. Uh, you grew up in Iraq yeah. and then you moved to the UK. Expectation from the society that you do X and then you have to do. Why is nobody acknowledging this? Right. Why is it everyone pretending it's, we've got a level playing field? Why did you decide to write a book in the first place? Because I'm kind of introverted. I actually uh, was a bit nervous about approaching people and I knew that was the key skill. Success is not just hard work. It's mm -hmm. also luck. We don't live in a purely meritocratic world where right. it's purely about how much effort you put in. It yeah. just doesn't work that way. If you believe that you're a lucky person, yeah. then you're going to be more lucky. Yeah. If you believe that you're an unlucky person, then you're going to be less lucky. Hassan, so you're an award-winning entrepreneur and an author, and uh, you've written an amazing book, The Unfair Advantage. Uh, you have your own business as well. And uh, you've done a lot of keynote speeches as well. But I want to go back to your origin story. Uh, you grew up in Iraq yeah. and then you moved to the UK. Mm. Can you tell us a bit more about the journey from Iraq to the UK? Sure. What does it feel like when you arrived? What was your first reaction? Sure, yeah. So I was born in Baghdad in Iraq. Um, and yeah, we came, well, I was three years old, so I was very young. But we came right. to escape like the war, the war and Saddam Hussein and all of this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I came age of three and grew up here. Um, so I started school here and everything. So really natively, natively my language, and this is an unfair advantage, which we'll get to, is, yeah. is English. If I'd come here at like, let's say, 15, 18, 20 years old, I'd have had a strong accent. And I think speaking on stage and things just wouldn't be as easy. It will just right. definitely hold me back a little bit. You know, yeah. there's, there's definitely something there in terms of like being a native English speaker. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how it felt, Honestly, I, I grew up in inner city London, so mm. I'm very privileged and fortunate that while we, you know, we didn't grow up with much and we had right. kind of a modest living, and, but, but everything happy, everything provided for, you know, I had the free school meals and all of that. Sure. But uh, yeah, inner city London was very multicultural. So my school yeah. was actually really multicultural growing up, my, you know, inner city state school. Um, but there, are, there, there still were times where it was like um, even pronouncing my name, like, mm. or even like... Um, for example, just feeling like my family's a bit different right. or do we know how to do things the right way or not knowing the vocabulary of day-to-day yeah. -day household things because right. like at home, it was all Arabic. Right. So just little things like that which play a bit of a role. But I think the bigger role played is more like not having the guidance in the career-wise later mm. on in my life because like, um, you know, immigrants is like, all you know is like, yeah, become a doctor, become an engineer, become yeah. an accountant. That, that's all you know. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's not my parents for at all. It's it's a case of like not having that guidance of like, I can get you an internship here. You mm. know, a job in finance is really good in London, in the city. Yeah. Or like management consulting is a thing. And like just not knowing any of this, yeah. not knowing yeah. how to get experience. Yeah. I think that played a role. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can certainly relate to the name thing. Uh, I, my name gets confused for a pastry or, <laughs> or the language. So yeah. I have to obviously, you know, correct people quite a lot. But then, yeah, you make a big point about a good point about, you know, choosing what to study or what to, you know, what to work in, in the end. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, coming from India myself, you know, there's a, a stereotype, right? an engineer or an accountant mm -hmm. or a doctor of medicine, right? I, I don't know, you know, from our previous chat that your parents also wanted you to become a doctor or yeah. go into medicine, but yeah. you chose a different path. What was your thinking? Yeah, and so why did you do that? Why did you go against the grain? I went against the grain. So it's really funny. I think I mentioned this in the book is that on my first birthday, mm. we, my parents got me a cake. 
and in that cake, it's, it's it was basically a doctor cake. Right. <laughs> so obviously, I don't remember my first birthday, <laughs> but they told me later. Um, so there was this kind of uh, subliminal pressure, and honestly, it was very subtle because they there so, wasn't anything like there was no pressure from my parents. There was nothing right. like uh, any overt. It was mm. more like you can do what you like. But in terms of like knowing what the options are, I felt like very let down by in sixth form college, in university, the careers yeah. departments were really, really not useful at all. Like right. it was just like, did not help. So I think that that side is... So for me, I, I was good at science mm. and I was like pretty bright, pretty good. Uh, I wasn't, I was very undisciplined actually. <laughs> but one thing was I was good at exams. I was good at picking up information, remembering yeah. information. Um, so I thought, yeah, medicine, yeah, it's prestigious, saving lives, you right. know, it's, just, it's well paid, right. I, I thought. <laughs> it's actually yeah. not that well paid relative to how hard you <laughs> exactly. work. But yeah, um, I think what really put me off and made me change path. So I actually started down the medicine path. I started Interesting. and then I dropped out like six months in and to the shock and horror of my parents yeah. and everyone else. Like, what are you going to do now? And I didn't know mm. what I wanted to do. Mm. But the reality was that I kind of, the way I saw it is that I don't have that crazy passion for it necessarily. Mm. And I felt like my, my even though I loved biology, I loved kind of health and stuff. I'm still into it. Yeah. But I felt like my world would be quite um, constrained and limited to mm. hospitals, patients, yeah. other doctors, disease, and just that world. Yeah. And I kind of was like, I want to know more about the world. And that's why I chose yeah. to do study economics and I switched to economics. Right. Because I was like, I've never studied this before. I didn't do it for A-levels or anything. And I was mm. like, this is fascinating how resources are spread. Mm. And, you know, like, how how does that work? What, yeah. what, how does the world work? How does money work? I was yeah. curious about all of that stuff. And yeah. I thought maybe I can help, go and help rebuild Iraq. Yeah. Maybe I can go and help in the Middle East, etc. So right. that was the path I took. And then you went into investment banking, right? Uh, which yeah. is a very usual path after you do e economics, right? So yeah. And then, but then you didn't stay there very long either. So right. tell us a bit more about your thinking process so, between you know not well going to you know doctor medicine area and then switching to economics and then investment banking, but then not doing that too long, and then you went traveling. So yeah. What was the thinking process there? So actually, I didn't want to do investment banking, but it felt like that was the right thing to do if you're ambitious and you want to like mm. make a lot of money. And that was like a priority. It was like, oh, but I that's a, that's also that. a, um, um, like an expectation from the society that you do X and then you have to do Y. Oh, right? it's purely that. It's like, what else are students around me applying for? Mm. Oh, they're applying to banking. Banking. Okay, so, so I'll then, do that too. So then I guess I'll do that yeah. too. Like it was like I was so clueless. I just felt completely yeah. clueless. I still remember. One of the options was management consulting. And it was like, I just couldn't get it through my head how a mm. graduate can consult companies on management. It made no sense to me. Right. And that's one of the reasons I didn't go into it. Even though I think it would have probably suited me in a way. It's just yeah. another one of those typical paths. Yeah. But funnily enough, Danish, I didn't go into investment banking. What happened was I finished university. I got my 2-1, which was mm. actually a struggle for me because the lack of discipline and the procrastination and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got the grade I wanted. I was like, oh, fine, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I'm going to take some time out to, to figure out what I want to do mm. because I had saved up my like maintenance loan and grant and all this stuff. I just saved it. Right. Um, so I was like, you know, this gives me the freedom to figure out what I want to do next. And I didn't know what I wanted next. Yeah. And I hadn't applied to any of the banking girls, etc. Mm. So, But I found this online course and it was about how to make money, money. online. Wow. But not about making the money side. It was actually about the freedom side. So it was the whole focus of it was based on the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. It was like, yep. uh, how do you create a business that creates freedom? You can work from anywhere. Yeah. You can work whenever you want. You know, time freedom, geographic yeah. freedom. I was like, this sounds good. So I never had yeah. this goal of like making a huge business or making a ton of money. It was more like, 
I want the freedom yeah, financial to be my freedom. own boss yep. and to just like do things how I like. And I don't mind not making a ton of money. I don't want like an amazing cars yep. or amazing house. That's not what I care about right now. What I care about right now is the fact that investment bankers have to work uh, crazy hours. I still remember they used to come in and be like, oh yeah, well, sometimes we're at the office for 72 hours straight. And wow. these are like graduates and they would like yeah. be boasting about it or was proud. I'm like, what's the point? That is very wrong. Yeah, you're to... making a lot of money, but yeah. you don't have the time to spend the money. Yeah. So that's how I felt about it. I was like, what's the point of this? Right. Um, but then I did go into the city, yeah. not quite investment banking. It was like a, one was an alternative investments broker. One was like a okay. B2B sales in a very corporate job. Right. Um, but it's, it was in the city and it was like a big public yeah. company. Um, but I did those jobs because they were sales jobs. Right. I did those jobs because I was struggling to start because yeah. of my procrastination. Again, this perfectionism came into right. my business side as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I did those roles. I did them briefly. I learned about sales because I'm kind of introverted. I actually uh, was a bit nervous about approaching people. And I knew that was the key skill to starting a business yeah. is to actually speak to people speak and to get people. sales. Yeah. So that's why I got those jobs. I only did two months here, two months there. Yeah. And then I left it and started yeah. my business. Wow. I mean, there's a whole uh, another discussion on, you know, uh, introverts and extroverts, yeah. right? Because uh, there's there's like pros and cons of each of them. And mm. it's not one is better than the other, but it's it's really how do you understand your strengths and weaknesses and then how do you leverage more of your strengths and then succeed, right? I want to kind of uh, go fast forward a little bit um, with your book, right? Yeah. So you went, you went traveling, you did the, you know, spend time in the city, um, tell us, uh, tell us a bit more about sort of how did you come across Ash, which is your co-author for the yeah. book Unfair Advantage. Sure. How did you meet him? What was your first impression? Yeah. And, and then why did you decide to write a book in the first place? Yeah. So just to fill in a few gaps. So the idea was like make a passive income from this business. Mm. That was the idea. And everyone told me that's a scam. Like that can't work. <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. And I was like, no, the way like I did my due diligence. I didn't just just like get excited about a course and just like spend it. It was like two grand it was like that was yeah. a lot of money for me yeah. as a student at the time no income it is but, yeah. but the unfair you know I, I talk about it as an unfair advantage of living with parents which is quite common now yeah but like in our culture especially and now it's become common in all cultures all because cultures. of house prices and, and accommodation prices but um yeah so no essentially what i did is i really worked hard on it and it was honestly the opposite of a four-hour work week at the beginning it was like crazy hours i was working so many hours yeah. just to build this business um, and get clients and 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 mm. automate it and systemize it so that it creates a passive income. Yeah, it took me about a year and a half, two years to get to that point. Wow! And it got to that point, and now I was traveling around Southeast Asia, and now I was just having fun. Yeah. And honestly, I wasn't even doing four-hour work week; I was doing zero-hour work, week right? And it was just making money. Yeah. So it was great. Uh, it's, it won't last forever. Like you can't have a perpetual motion machine kind yeah. of thing with yeah. a business. Uh, passive income, you have to kind of maintain it and work on it. It's not really passive fully. Yeah. But you can have periods of passive. Yeah. It can run yeah. itself for a while. So um, it was during that time I met Ash. I was like traveling back. I was back at London. I was kind of, I had a lot of free time at this time. Yeah. So it's like what I wanted had been created really. Right. And actually I got quite lazy, by the way. Passive income made me passive because right. I was like, I couldn't even bother to send yeah. invoices to my clients. It's just because I have to fire up the laptop and like, and like, oh, yeah. I have to. It was such a simple task and I couldn't do it. Um, but I met Ash. We were at a business dinner and it was a serendipity, really. It was like, we talk about this have location and luck, right place, right time. Miles we framework. Just, yeah, yeah, the Miles framework. Yeah, this is the framework in the book to figure out your unfair advantage. Yeah. And I just met Ash. We don't even do such like business dinners. It was mm. just unusual. But we sat next to each other. Yeah. We had just had the. So he was the first marketing director of Just Eat. Yeah. Ash. So just the big food delivery company, yep. they had an IPO. So they went on the stock market 
in for 1.5 billion pounds 2.4 billion dollars yeah amazing which is incredible and he was the first marketing director the third senior member of staff in the uk amazing so he'd done amazing and he was a serial entrepreneur he was very entrepreneurial he'd done other businesses he'd yeah. sold them etc so i met him we kind of got on well we actually lived yeah. again location we both lived in northwest london and i was at a loose end and he was relatively free right and he told me about all the he's like oh yeah come down to my office mm. so i kind of okay followed him up on this and i was like oh this cool guy i'm gonna yeah chill with him okay went to his office and he's like yeah i have all these startup founders pitching me for investment right and it's called angel investing so i came from the online business world mm. and he taught me all about the tech startup Startups, world so like yeah, yeah. it's a perfect like, marriage yeah it's, it's like angel investing yeah um seed rounds series a venture capital mm. All these terms, if you're listening to this and not understanding these terms, I never understood them either. Yeah. This is the startup world. This is like the Silicon Valley, like the Facebooks, the Googles, the Snapchats, the, all these right. TikToks, all this stuff. So he taught me a little bit about that. I learned, or I picked it up more like. I picked it up from him and there were all these startup founders pitching us. And what we started to think about, oh, which ones are going to succeed and which ones are going to fail? It was like Dragon's Den kind of vibe. Yeah. We were like the ones that have unfair advantages. Mm -hmm. We started to think about this concept. When yeah. we thought we'd write a book. And we thought we'd self-publish the book, but then we got a literary agent and we got a publishing deal and now we've been published in the US and yeah, it's done amazingly well. We became a bestseller yeah. almost immediately. And uh, we got the business book of the year. We we got yeah. like thousands of like reviews on like Goodreads and Amazon. Yeah. It's blowing me away. And, like, I mean, you've got, uh, yeah, you've got um, like millions of views online. Yeah. Uh, it's everywhere, right? Uh, the book itself, you know, I, I've read it and I've um, watched a lot of, you know, videos about you and Ash uh, talking about it. And it totally makes sense. And uh, the Miles framework, uh, when I came across it for the first time, it was one of those things like, oh, why didn't I come up with this? <laughs> like, this is so, so amazing. Like, it's so mm -hmm. simple to understand, but so powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm particularly interested in the L. From the miles so yeah. uh, just just so for people uh miles is you know well you can tell you can tell it's your sure. book so sure. yeah. yeah so miles is an acronym and yeah. it's, it's the different categories of unfair advantages so m is for money so if you have money that's an unfair advantage mm -hmm. it's quite straightforward we all know that if you, if you have rich parents if you have a rich uncle yep. if you have friends that you can raise money from that helps second is intelligence and insight i mm -hmm. is intelligence and insight intelligence comes in different forms we have book smarts you know iq you have emotional intelligence and street yep. smarts and people skills you also have creativity so those are the different intelligence factors that we go into in the yep. book and you also have insight which is finding a unique a unique insight and a unique perspective yep. finding a gap in the market finding an unmet need mm. so that's quite big then we have l which is location and luck, luck. right place mm -hmm. right time and then you have E, education and expertise. Mm -hmm. And then you have S is for status, is how you come across your yeah. personal brand, your followership, what you look like, whether you're male or female. Mm. All these things are status, your nationality, your passport, your, all yeah. of that is like how you come across status. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the Miles framework in a nutshell. Yeah. So the reason I'm interested in the L or yeah. the luck specifically yeah. is, you know, if you think about young people or anyone really, if you've achieved anything, no matter what that is, small, big, whatever there's a there's a real thing which is imposter syndrome mm. that i'm a fraud i don't deserve this or it's just luck mm. how do you what do you, what would you say to young people today that they you know if they've done something if done if they've maybe they've finished a you know degree just now mm. or they've just gotten their first jobs or they've been in jobs for you know few years uh, obviously they've you know done something to get there it's not just luck, right? Of course, the luck plays a big part of that. So right place at the right time. 
But how 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 would you help a young person understand or you know dissect what is luck versus what's your input and how do you mm. kind of balance between the two? Okay, so luck is an important topic in the book. We talk about that a lot in the part one of the book, mm. and we talk about how uh, success is not just hard work; it's mm-hmm. also luck. So if you read a lot of self development and business books, they just talk about hard work, strategies, what you've sure. done, take responsibility for the outcomes in yeah. your life, and all these kinds of things. And it's true, and it's very useful to think in that way. Yeah. Um, well, it's true to an extent. Should I should mm. say, the also the thing they overlook is circumstances. Yeah. All our circumstances are different. All yeah. our strengths are different. All our backgrounds, mm-hmm. our experiences, everything is different, different. in us. Yeah. And well, the reason we came up with this idea of this book is like, why is nobody acknowledging this? Right. Why is it everyone pretending it's, we've got a level playing field? Why is everyone pretending we're we all starting from the same part, starting line? Yeah. We don't, right? Everyone will be rich or everyone will be poor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or we don't live in a purely meritocratic world where right. it's purely about how much effort you put in. It yeah. just doesn't work that way. And we wanted to highlight that. And I felt like the startup founders, the aspiring startup founders who mm. wanted to start a business, some of them believed that. And especially the ones from underprivileged backgrounds. Interesting. They bought into this idea that it's purely about how much hard work, work you put in. Right. Now, hard work is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Right. So these people would be like, okay, but like, do you realize like the, to be able to raise a round of funding for your mm. startup, let's say, you need to have all these different unfair advantages to convince investors right. that you're the right people for the job. Yeah. Uh, hence why a lot of people are like ex-Google, ex-Morgan Stanley, ex-McKinsey, yeah. McKinley. Um, you know, Which is also an unfair advantage, right? Because they've absolutely. gotten there and then now they're doing something else. That's a else. status factor, right? Yeah. And, and people get confused because they're like, oh, but they worked hard to get into, let's say, Oxford or Cambridge yeah. or Stanford or Harvard. Yeah. And yes, they worked hard, but mm. they also had a lot of circumstances mm. in their favor from childhood, their education, mm. their parents, their commitments, and yeah. even even talent, even mm. talent. We can even go that far. Right. So I think it's really important to understand that success is a combination of hard work and, and sort of merit. Yeah. You know, you deserve it, mm-hmm. but also luck and randomness. Yeah. And you, you, that's the side that we don't necessarily deserve. It's just, that's life. But yeah. that's life for everyone. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's Everyone has it this way. So you shouldn't feel back, bad about the luck that you've had. Yeah. And you shouldn't also feel like, oh, it's all just luck. I shouldn't even bother. Yeah. Nor should you say it's hard work. And therefore, if I work really hard, I'll yeah. be like Elon Musk too. Sure. No, yeah. we all know that that's not true. Yeah. So the key is to find that balance. And yeah. that was one of the biggest themes yeah. in the book. What would you say to someone who says, oh, I'm not lucky. How do I increase my luck? Yeah, that's a good question. And so it almost feels like an oxymoron. Like, how do you increase luck? Because it feels like luck is just random. So how could you have control over it? Right. Well, there's we have a chapter on luck in the book. Mm. And we talk about how do you increase your luck, funnily mm. enough. Because there's been psychological experiments run. An example is by Professor Richard Wiseman, um, who is, funnily enough, he's also like a magician and a YouTuber, really cool guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's at the University of Hertfordshire. And he's done experiments. And there's been others done about your mindset and how lucky you get based on your mindset. mindset right. So if you believe, this is the interesting thing, if you believe that you're a lucky person, yeah. then you're going to be more lucky. Yeah. If you believe that you're an unlucky person, then you're going to be less lucky. Yeah. And how does that work? Well, one of the ways it works is that you don't spot opportunities if you believe you're unlucky. Mm. You just don't spot it. Right. And you don't take your chances. Because you're like, ah, why should I bother? Mm. I'm unlucky anyway. And you just don't even notice 
opportunities open right there in front of you right. you don't even notice them and if you're if you have the mindset of i'm lucky the world is full of opportunities mm. i could just you know i could take advantage of them i'm going to work hard i'm not just going to lie back and say i'm going to be win the lottery that's different yeah. <laughs> that's not possible yeah um, or very likely um the key is to think about yourself as being lucky and also being proactive and taking action mm. so you increase your luck by number one thinking that you're lucky and believing that you're lucky yeah. and number two is you put yourself out there more. Yeah. You roll the dice more. How do you roll double six? You keep rolling the dice. Nobody's counting how many times you fail. It's the same in life. You just keep trying things and suddenly you get lucky. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, I think this is it, right? I mean, what I'm listening from this is there's two things. One is you have to show up again and again and again. And then you have to be optimistic as well that if you believe in something that, you know, if you try a few times, hopefully it will click through one day, right? But if you don't try in the first place, if you're not optimistic in the first place, exactly. it will never happen for you. And then you'll go into this vicious cycle of, oh, I'm unlucky, I shouldn't even bother, right? Um, in, term, in terms of um, the, the other, you know, M, I, and E, and S, mm. if, if you have to put, like, if you have 100 pounds mm. to bet uh, on each of the different areas, how would you allocate your 100 pounds to each of them? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I haven't had that one. I'll tell you what, it's actually, I probably would, hmm, how do I allocate it? Like an investment portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start by saying, number one, by far the most powerful one. So I put most of the money mm. into status. Interesting. Okay. Status is but how the can most powerful someone, one. Yeah. Because if, some, if someone comes from a very underprivileged or, or you know, has no status, yeah. how, do you put, how do you put all your money in that? So, so this is a good question. So this is why this is a bit... The all the other miles components M I L E, mm. you know, money, intelligence, insight, location, luck, education, expertise, all of those can build your status. Yep, and that's the key. That's why status is the most powerful one because it's the one that is actually all the others feed into it. Yeah. Now there are status factors that you have nothing to do with. It's to do with how you look, how tall you are, your accent, where you grew up, where you were born, mm. um, what kind of education your parents put you through, that kind of thing. Like that you have no control over. Mm. You know, if you're born a prince, then, mm. then you're born a prince. Like <laughs> the status, yep. right? <laughs> you marry a prince, you marry a prince. So that's like, you can control that a bit, but not much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. there's a difference, right? So I think the most powerful one is status because that's the one that you can have the most influence mm. because status is your personal brand. It's like mm. your reputation. Mm. It's like your even trust. Right. How well trusted are you is mm. your status. Yeah. So if you have expertise, then you're going to be more likely to be trusted. And they're going to be like, oh, this guy's an expert in this thing. So, yeah, let's invest in his company or let's join his company or right. let's, you know, invite him on as a guest or let's give them an honorary degree. Yeah. Or let's, all of these things, doors open up for you. Right. Right. So this is in, status is the most powerful one. Now, in terms of like, what would I develop most? If you think of like the investing as what would yep. you develop the most? I would develop the I and the E the most mm -hmm. because those are the ones that you have the most control over. In, uh, I in terms of insight, mm. intelligence, you can build on it. You can build your emotional intelligence. That's going to be very powerful. You yep. can build. Sure. But we kind of all know that. But but education and expertise in particular, expertise yeah. is where you can have a lot of leverage. It's yeah. the one that's the most meritocratic of all the unfair advantages. Right. Now, I still call it an unfair advantage because you have a foundation to build on. You're lucky enough to even know that you should build this skill. Mm. Sometimes we work on a skill and then that thing blows up. Yeah. And that's just luck. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that, that was really useful, actually, but I didn't know. Right. Steve Jobs learned about calligraphy in college. Suddenly, it was useful when he was making the Mac and he was making fonts. Amazing example. Yeah. So yeah. it's... it's um, 
I would really focus on building your skills. Right. And I would really focus on putting yourself out there. Out there. Yeah. Publish stuff. Put things out there. People don't care about your degrees nowadays as much as they care about what work have you done. Mm. It's about your opinions and what do you care about? What you care about and the results. So one of the things that's like really people need to think of in terms of is delivering results. I think results is very, very important to think. It's like, mm. what results am I giving? As opposed to how many hours of work am I doing? Right. You know, what am I paid an hour? Think of it like the more entrepreneurial thinking is to think in terms mm. of results. That's how you make a passive income. Yeah. You know, it, because I'm delivering results, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the key. It's uh, so two things there. One is that you're essentially valuing yourself as in your skill, mm. right? So you're not getting paid for a minute or an hour. You're yes. pay, getting paid for your expertise that you build over the time right mm. whether that is going to uni or you know a few years or many years of experience that you have right which is very important so don't undervalue yourself mm. is the lesson one and the second one is um how do you how do you then sort of actually the second let me let, let me talk about the passive income first there's a lot, so lot of so-called gurus mm. who are teaching you online to make passive incomes. But we know that, you know, they've just made something up and then just selling it, right? Uh, how how would you differentiate between someone who's really and truly making passive income? And is there such thing as passive in the first place? As you said, it's not really passive. Yeah. You have to work really hard for it yeah. to get to the passive bit in the end, right? Yeah. So can you just address that point around passive income? So I think, yeah, there's a lot of fake gurus out there. There's mm. a lot of people. and But there's also a lot of like legit stuff. Sure. And yeah. there's a lot of people who are actually doing uh, legit content because they've just plagiarized it from someone mm. who's legit and they haven't actually got any background themselves. Right. So this is quite a mixed bag. So sometimes the mm. advice is not bad, mm. but that's because they've just ripped it from somebody else who actually gave decent advice. Sometimes the advice is awful and just rubbish, complete. Yep. Like or generic. No at all. Yeah. Or just completely generic, exactly. Um so there's a lot you just have to do your due diligence. You have to like do the research, try and figure out if it's true. Not everything is a scam, but not, also not everything is legit. So you just have to figure yeah. it out. And that's the, you know, I, I took this plunge and took an online course and everyone was like, yeah. This is a scam. Okay. No, it really was legit. Um so that's number one. Number two, in terms of passive income, yeah, it's uh look, there are one thing that I've learned in my life is that some paths in life are more difficult than others. All success requires work. Sure. All success requires yep. sweat and work, etc. But some just requires more. So I'll just give you a very simple example, just an extreme example, which mm. is like if you work really hard as a waiter, mm. if you work really hard as a janitor, mm. if you work really hard as even as a nurse, like mm. not as low as the others in terms of how much you make, but they don't get paid that much no. versus how hard a CEO works. Does a CEO work harder? I mean, it's debatable. Yeah. I don't know. They work maybe smarter. Maybe they more. Maybe they just pick the path. Maybe yeah. they pick the lane. That's yeah. an easier path. And not not that being a CEO is easy, mm. of course. Mm. But see, now it's just getting into territory of like it's not just about hard work. Yeah. So what I mean is there are paths easier than others. There are mm. businesses that are easier than others. Right. And this is the key thing to know is to know which path to go down. Now, how do you figure that out? Mm. Well, you have to try things out. Yeah. Try things out. Listen, read widely, listen mm. to content widely and try to determine what's blowing up. Try to write yeah. the trends. Part of location and luck is right place, right time is mm. timing. One of the things from in my life is like that I started, for example, the book came out during lockdown or just before lockdown. Right. January 2020 was the hardback publishing date of the book. Right. Pandemic happened in March or well, like the lockdowns yeah. and stuff in March. So the timing there seemed quite bad. 
and it probably was in some ways quite bad. I had a lot of events cancelled. We were going to speak at like Oxford, Cambridge. Sure, we were going to yeah. go on mad podcasts. Everything was cancelled at that stage. We're not even postponed because no one knew it was happening. Right. However, what's happened is mm. that a lot of uh, online consumption went up. A lot of views of videos right. went up. And one of the videos that we sent out, one of one of the reviews of our book mm. went, blew up and went viral. Right. And it's got almost 2 million views now. And that's like incredible. And that's yeah. like a lot of luck. And there's a lot of people that reviewed the book. Yeah. And I decided that oh, I'll, I, was, I offered to even be interviewed by Ali Abdal, right. who, whose video is the one that blew up early on. Yeah. And then we've had other videos blew up and get millions of views since then. Yeah. So obviously the idea is good and the stuff, but timing also worked. Yeah. And also now I've become like the coach to creators. Mm. And that's because of some luck and some timing. And now the creator yeah. economy is blowing up, meaning like YouTubers and TikTokers and a lot of my clients are now just like huge influencers in those spaces. Yeah. So that's that's the where the luck comes in and where things can be easier yeah. or harder. So you have to look at what's blowing up, mm. what's working well, mm. what's going to keep blowing up or what's, what's like stagnating or what's going down. Sure. And you have to figure out what skills are worth building. I mean, that's a fundamental of business, right? That yeah. if you are in business, then you need to know the current trends. And then you also need to almost start thinking about what's around the corner, what's mm. the next trend as well. Of course, you can't predict exactly. No, but no one has a crystal ball. But you sort of, if you're an expert in the field, if you have the skills, then you sort of can ex estimate what's going to be the next big thing, right? It's kind of. And yeah. then you can try and kind of work, work it, through it. Sometimes you don't even need to be that, like... Uh, able to predict the future mm. you could just see what's happening right now most people don't know what's happening right now yeah. but if you just keep an eye on what's happening now then you can kind of see what the trend is where are we trending towards yeah. and the other thing about expertise one thing that i thought is like oh yeah it takes many years and maybe i'll write a book when i'm in my 40s or 50s and yeah. look i got a book publishing deal in my 20s which right. is like blew me away i never thought that would happen but that's because i applied some of these principles without even knowing it on mm. fair advantage principles that's amazing and so the thing is like expertise might sound like, oh, yeah, I need so many years. Actually, you just need to be obsessed with something. Something, yeah. If you're I just obsessed with something, 100% agree then with you that. can be an expert in it so yeah. fast, you'd be shocked at how fast. Yeah. And now with new trends and new technologies that pop up, you can know about something for a month and you can mm. be an expert in it. Like yeah. the blockchain stuff, the NFT stuff from last year, like you could be an expert by just studying that for a couple of weeks. Mm. Cryptocurrencies, like maybe a few years before, the same that's yeah. happening next. Same thing, the same yeah. thing for TikTok. Like, right. oh, I'm an expert in TikTok. Yeah, how long, how many years of experience do you have in TikTok? Yeah. Is it a decade? <laughs> it didn't exist. It's not even that old company. It's right? not old. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that's the key. So now it's yeah. exciting because you can do really, like, have a lot of expertise by being very, even though you're very young. Mm. That's a very special thing that you have. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you've just nailed it there, right? A couple of things before we wrap up. Uh, you know, I look at your journey from, you know, Iraq, to you know being an immigrant and then going through your education you know everything that you spoke about and then going into the city and then not doing that and then pivoting and then pivoting again and then the book and then the book was about to launch and the pandemic happened and then online thing and then obviously you work with a lot of amazing creators Ali Abdal by the way you should check it out if you haven't um, uh, yet and then Mark Tilbury is another one that you work with amazing content creator mm and others I can't mention, but I look at your journey and there's a lot of like pivots, a lot of uh, examples of resilience. Can you talk a bit more about that? Um, what's yeah. the role of resilience in your life so far? Interesting. Uh, resilience. I think pivots is about like following your, following where the market takes you mm. and also where your interests take you. So mm. the intersection of your interests, your curiosity 
and also where the market seems to be going. Yeah. It's that intersection is where you find the trend and you should like pivot or sidestep. So one of the pivots is getting into coaching. So I was very much a consultant. I'm an expert in this. And coaching is like one of the things that used to put me off it is like, um, it's you answer questions with a question. And I just thought that's a bit useful. <laughs> that's like, that's a very annoying thing to yeah. do. If somebody asks me a question, I want the answer. I don't want another question back to me. Yeah. But then I started learning about the power of coaching and mm. how it helps people to get accountability Absolutely. and clarity. Um, and then I, so I've become a coach and now I've started coaching like top influ influencers with millions of, I can't even reveal all of them, but like yeah. millions of subscribers, millions of followers. And yeah. they're like coming to me for advice about niching down about audience and mm. about uh, monetizing and about creating a business and about how do they scale it? Yeah. Because I have that experience of yeah. systemizing and automating my own business mm. and also have that ability to kind of, one of my unfair advantages to explain things that are quite, complicated mm. or or some people make them complicated i don't think they're complicated right. in a simple way right. so i think that's one of the powers of the book is that there's no jargon it's easy to understand there's an yeah. audio book available you can just pick it up it's yeah. just easy read it's yeah. fun and full of case studies so yeah for me i've just thought of it in terms of like following my passion i haven't even thought of it in terms of resilience mm. resilience i think in terms of setbacks and i think when you go into business you get a lot of setbacks mm. a ton of setbacks i had so many moments yeah. of like oh, I'm not I'm not cut out for this I have imposter syndrome sure. what the hell is this especially for my first business when I was scaling that or or trying to automate that or make that yeah. work man it was tough and I think it's uh, sales really helps because you get all the rejections yeah. and you build resilience there yeah. so I think that really 100%. helped me yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the last things that I asked the guest is if you were young again what would what would you say yourself what advice would you give yourself yeah so if I was here's what I tell myself I'll tell myself to try more things I'll tell myself to get more work experience to try and get more placements and internships and and just and vary it don't think that I need to specialize or decide now yeah just try lots of things because there's so much that you learn mm -hmm. and that's why I would tell anybody just try lots of things and also publish things post yeah create content like write articles uh, create TikToks um, teach things especially for the I, I'm more on the educational side of yeah. being a creator as opposed to pure entertainment yeah. entertainment is important of course to get yeah. attention but to be like a pure comedian also I probably should try that as well actually yeah. I would tell myself to try more things to get more lucky yeah. and to figure out earlier what I want and where my strengths are and what yeah. my unfair advantages are because it takes a it's, it, knowing thyself takes a long time and yeah. the more you try the more you can learn yeah. that's the number one number two thing is I would say that people don't really know what they're doing Mm. It looks like it when you're a student. It looks like the adult world and the world of work. Everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah. No, they all just, nobody knows, right? <laughs> nobody just trying to figure it out. They're themselves. just trying to figure yeah. it out, and they're just you know making it up as they go along. Yeah. So don't think that oh these scary companies and corporates they're all yeah. like so efficient. So made and up. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to study economics. I used to think like markets are all efficient and there's no opportunities. No, it's yeah. extremely inefficient, yeah. and there's so many opportunities. Someone's creating the opportunity, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like just 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 uh, understand the whole thing about expertise like if you're just interested in something you're suddenly an expert mm. i used to be really into like um health and nutrition and stuff mm. people used to say you should write a book this is like back in 2011 i was like as a procrastination tool for my a-levels i was like <laughs> reading a lot online like, should, i was like no i'm not an expert in that yeah. and now i realize no actually i could have written you a book about yeah. it and i could have shared and helped people mm. and coaching is an interesting area where you can add value without yeah. feeling like an imposter so there's lots of things that you could do. So those are yeah, the two things I would say. 
Thank you so much for coming and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge and experience. It's uh, super valuable. I uh, Obviously, we spoke before, but I've learned a lot more in this podcast as well. So 